Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Build on last week's message, uh, we spoke about the tension between faith and works. Uh, we've seen Paul uh, talk about how um, it should be, we're found, founded on faith alone because he was speaking to, to a Jewish culture with people who were all about ritual and just going to church or, or just going to the synagogue or whatever it was and, and eating certain things just because that's what you've done. And he was trying to get through to their heart and to their head that actually, no, God wants a relationship. And that's where your power is going to come from. That's where your life change is going to come from. It's not going to be natural. It's going to be supernatural. Can you get an amen? But then we see on the other side of it, um, James is speaking to a church that, that have a lot um, of knowledge, and they maybe understand that it's by faith alone, but they're maybe pushing towards Calvinistic, the Calvinistic side, and they're sitting there just leaning on faith alone and doing nothing about it. There's no expression of love. There's no expression of uh, service and servanthood in which Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, so there's something not right. And he said, listen, faith without a work, without fruit, is dead. And so we're sitting in that tension. So today I want to talk to you about what faith actually looks like, not just in the physical, but in our, in our heads, in our minds, in our imaginations, because that's where faith begins, as a mustard seed. God doesn't just do things in the physical before he does them in our heart. It always, God always speaks to our heart first and manifests vision first. That's why it says in the Bible that young men should have dreams and visions. Because when they get, a, they get a hold of a vision or a dream from God, then everything is about to change. God's about to do something significant in your life as soon as you capture a vision or a dream. Can I get an amen? And so what we want as a church is we want people capturing vision and dreams for their lives, for their family, for their kids at their workplace, because if you get that, that will bring you through some of the worst times in your life. Whereas if you're doing it on your natural strength, you might get bitter. You you might bow down to the culture. You won't make it. You don't have the power. And so this is really important, really important. Um, and so I just love when, when we understand God's love, it, bec- it becomes sacred. It becomes the beginning of everything that we do. It becomes the motivation. It becomes the strength. And that is exactly what we need to do anything or fulfill any assignment that God gives us. And so I want to start with this verse. A lot of you will know this. It says in Hebrews 11, verses 1, Now faith is confidence. Everyone say confidence. In what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you for confidence. I thank you, God, for assurance. And I thank you, God, you speak dreams, visions, passions into our heart before we even see them in the physical. God, help us to come to a place of surrender to the point where we will actually see what you see 
And God, you would just speak into our heart in worship through the message as we pray later. I pray visions would come upon people today. I pray dreams would come upon people today. I pray passions would come upon people's minds and hearts today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Faith and confidence, belief in something you do not see. Well, what is the question I would have when I read that scripture? Well, what, where is it? If there's a faith, if there's a confidence, where is it rooted? Where is it coming from, and where is it seen? So, so the writer of, of Hebrews is saying, I, I'm see, I see something before I see it. It's possible for you to see something before you see it. What do you mean, Phil? I mean, you can see it in your heart, in your head, in your spirit before you see it in real life. Actually, as humans, we are built to see before we see. A surgeon, I don't know about you, but if I'm going in for heart surgery, I want a a surgeon that can see before he sees. I, I want a surgeon that is rehearsing the procedure and making sure that he knows where every T should be crossed and every I should be dotted before he gets into the actual surgery. He's prepared. He's going in with faith. He's going in with confidence. Knowing that he's not trying to work it out when he gets there. Let's just chop that and wonder if that will work. <laughs> wonder if we just put a wee hole in there. Would that actually help? I, I don't want that surgeon working on me. Because I know that he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's not really confident. He's unsure. He doesn't have assurance. And so listen, God has actually designed our faith to be a faith of confidence, a faith of boldness. But listen, it's not natural. It's not something you just do on your, on your own might, on your own strength. It doesn't work out. It's not just entering into a dark place and just swinging all around you and hoping for the best. See, imagination is the ability to see what is unseen. Imagination, when I begin to imagine, I begin to think about the beach that I might be lying on next week. And because I, I, I think I've heard and I've seen, I'm assured that it's going to, it looks like it's going to be good. I, I start to get excited. It makes me plan for success. It makes me plan. I've got my trunks ready. I've got my Speedos on. I can't wait to put my Speedos on in Dubai. (laughs) By Anna's request, didn't really want to wear them, but Anna just loves a Speedo. You know, those Europeans, you know, just about, (laughs) just things you got to do for your wife these days. I said the thong was too far. Well, we'll compromise on a speedo, and we're not taking pictures. <laughs> Image, a representation of an external form of a person or a thing. When there's an image in our head, we see something of what that person might look like or what that situation might be. And here's the problem, because of the images in some of your heads, you have anxiety. You have unnecessary fear. You have unnecessary worry. Why? Because you have faith that things will go terribly wrong. And not even that, you create extra. 
And that's where anxiety comes from. Is anyone with me? And so the question is, do we have to, do we have to continue to submit with, to the anxiety? Do we have to continue to come under the lordship of fear and worry? Is there an option? Well, I want to talk about that today. So let, let's look at 1 John 2, verses 16. And so we got a question. Where do these images come from? And can we do anything about it? So it says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. It's nearly like just a choice. Just do not do it. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So if we choose to do things our way, our natural way, that nearly replaces God's way. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So this is all beginning with what we love, with what we give attention to, with what we give our strength to. Today you came in and we sang three songs of worship with your voice. Some of you raised your hands. Some of you clapped your, clapped your hands. And you expressed yourself and you gave your energy, your power, and your might to God. Love the Lord God with all of your might, your strength, your heart. And so as you've done that, what began to happen is you begin to worship God. You begin to bring images of God into your heart. Because that, as worship, you're, you're giving God praise. You're thanking him for who he is and what he has done. You might even picture the cross, the sacrifice. You're seeing images of that. You're, you're seeing your family. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you. You're thinking about your breathing. You're seeing pictures of your breathing. You're seeing pictures or, or, or experiencing the reality of your life. Thank you for my job. Thank you, God, for another day. Thank you for my kids. You're seeing images. You're seeing pictures. Imagining. And as you imagine those things, and you thank God, if you're like me, I was worshiping at an event, at the Ark event, yesterday in Dublin. And I, I, at the very last song, I was kind of, to be honest, I was a bit tired. <laughs> First day, I'm like, fucking worship. I wasn't really feeling it as much, because I've been quite busy this week, and it affected me, my physical strength. I couldn't give my physical strength to God as much as I should have been able to. And therefore, my experience of God, or, or my imaging of what maybe God wanted to speak to me was not really in play. But the next day, I got a, a decent sleep. And at the last song, I started to get images. As I was asking God to speak and I was pressing into His presence, I started to see family and I started to see the next generation. And I started to get passion. And I started, to, I started to feel my soul fill up. And I started to, started to feel God speak and motivate and strengthen. And, and, and I know if I can, in a moment, capture one of those images and I know it's from God, that could sustain me for a year. As I continue to rehearse what God spoke. Because the imagination is what God has given us 
But it was supposed to be under his authority and his rule and his reign. And when it's not, what happens is the lust of the eyes. What is the lust of the eyes? That is looking at something in the natural and wishing it was yours. And wanting to own it and wanting to control it. And lusting in in a way where it's not surrender, it's control. We put ourselves in God's shoes. The, the lust of the flesh, you know, what we talked about last week, where we've got the, fle- the flesh is, is weak and the spirit is willing. And so, so what can ruin us is when we, we chase material. We chase, when it starts to become first in our life, houses or jobs, when that becomes first, that becomes our filter. And when that becomes our filter, that becomes our God. And as it goes on to say, if you're going to love those things and put those things first in your life, get ready. You're about to live a temporal, natural life which will waste away and give you nothing in the end. But if you start to put the love of God first, surrender to God first, put His church first, put your relationship with Him first, pray first, then all of a sudden what you're doing is you're releasing the polar opposite in your life. You're starting to possess things which not are just natural but are eternal. You're starting to get involved in a realm that creates things which do not exist for the good of humanity and the good of God. You're starting to get into a place where in worship God will start to give you visions and dreams that don't just benefit yourself but benefit others. That's how you know it's a God dream because it's not about you. Can I get an amen? amen? I don't know if some of you know this, but I was in, from I was 17, I was going to a youth group, and the weirdest thing, I, I used to love sport, I always just see myself as what I'd done, which was sport, football, tennis, volleyball, whatever it was, and, and that was just what I was decent at, you might say, and so I found a bit of identity in that, and, and people seen that from the outside, and I became a PE teacher, funny enough. Um, but at 17, I got a vision. I got an image. I, and it was weird, because I never planned for it. I didn't really pursue it. I, I was just in worship, and God dropped an image, a vision in my heart. And it was, some, it was to do with church. And it was like a holy frustration of, like, I want to reach my friends. If this is the gospel, and God, Jesus died to save people and put them on course for eternity and to change their life for the better and eternity starts now, then I, there, I see problems. I see people that I want to see get saved, and I see obstacles, and I want to do something about that. And it just came on me. It dropped on me in worship. It dropped on me in, in the presence of Christian community. It dropped on me. And to this day, that image has only grown. And that image that I got and that imagination that I received in those moments got me through some of the worst valleys, some of the hardest rejections that I've ever experienced, even publicly. It's why we're standing here today in this church. It's not me, it was God. He gave me vision, He gave me imagination. I didn't plan it, I received it, I didn't earn it. It was in his presence. But it changed everything. And it's so powerful. 
See, imagination birthed in God's love and ways produces God ideas. This is where we can get it wrong. Like we talked about last week, don't try to produce fruit yourself. That's just awkward. It's nothing worse being in church when someone's faking being a Christian. Someone's faking being passionate on a stage. How terrible is that, Hannah? You've probably seen that. Stop faking. You're not even pa- Stop. Oh, my word. Get off the stage. There's no power in it. You're actually discouraging me because you're so fake. Or someone at the door is welcoming you and you know they don't really care about you. And, and listen, some people are better than, that, than others. They are faking it because they're introverted and they feel awkward. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Get me out of here. This, this is why we're the body of Christ. There's arms, there's legs, there's toes, there's knees. We have different functions because we have different strengths. But God has not intended you to be fake. He's intended you to be organic. He's, and sometimes fruit takes time. And so listen, I, I never want to be a church where we're trying to force people to become a certain shape or certain form against what God has designed them to be. But if we're going to be a church that is alive, a church that, that is made in God's image, if you're going to be a person that's made in God's image and, and you're coming across that way, it's going to look like being in God's presence. It's going to look like getting images and imaginations from God. And it's founded in His love. Because this is what can happen. Watch. If we come to church, we try to play at church, we, maybe we make a commitment to God, but we're not experiencing God's love what can happen is we can start to try and play, play Christianity. And so here we are trying to worship, or here we are trying to welcome, or here we are trying to serve, but we don't have power. And so what creeps in, in the church, in your life, in your family, is you're trying to be a good husband, you're trying to be a, a good friend, whatever it is, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes creeps into what seemingly looks like a Christian act of service. What seemingly looks like a Christian environment can be filled with the lust of... Has anyone been to church where people are mean? Has anyone met a, a judgmental Christian? You know what's happening there? What's happening there is they don't truly understand God's grace. They don't know what they were saved from. They, they forgot that they, are, they were once and they still are affected by sin and they forgot the cross and their need for it because when you when you realize your need for the cross you realize that that whoa god saved me forgiven me so i can also forgive others and so who am i to think i'm better than anyone who am i to look down on anyone and so what do you do in that situation if your heart is hard and you sense yourself getting judgmental well that's amazing because it gives you an indicator of what's wrong it's time to worship it's time to surrender again. It's time to lay down your life again. It's time to remember the cross again. It's time to take communion and remind yourself and remember why you first got saved. Can I get an amen? In this season, some of us have hard hearts just because we're coming out of survival, and that's okay. I'm not here to look down upon you. I'm, not, I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to encourage myself I'm here to come back to where it all began. I'm here to come back to a place of surrender, back to the root of the problem. 
Because if we get it right at the root, if we understand it's about God's love, then the lust of the eyes has no place in God's kingdom. The lust of the flesh has no place in God's kingdom. The pride of life is broken. You want to see the man night on Wednesday? Oh my word. Stiff. Stiff. Why? Because us men, we struggle with pride. Me included. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Rebuke that woman. Hushers, now's your chance. We struggle with pride. But also when we break the pride, the enemy's going to struggle to hold men back. When men rise up, what was the stat we spoke about on, on man night? When a man and a family is the, fir- is the first to get saved, 93% of the people, of, of their families get saved. The whole family. No offense, woman, but when a woman gets saved first, 11%. Listen, if the enemy is after anyone, he's after the men. The women do a good job, if I'm honest. They keep the house running. They're amazing. If we can get the men to humble themselves. And I don't mean that in a way where you just do what you're told. I mean that in a way where you come into worship. You come into intimacy. You give God your heart and allow him to touch it. Allow him... To let you see some vision for your life. Allow him to show you that you're actually loved because you need it as much as anyone else. And I'm telling you, we're going to do some work with the men. And I'm telling you, when we start to break down that barrier of pride, you better watch out. You better watch out. Because nothing else, when we get the root of the problem, when we face our fears and our vulnerability issues, and we come to the love of God, there's only one end product. And it's changed for the better. It's the kingdom of God being present. It's the power of God beginning to shape community and families. Are you with me? And so I'm not talking about beating men up. That's not what we're doing. I'm talking about raising men up, championing them, encouraging them, prophesying over them, even when they're stiff. <laughs> I don't want to show any vulnerability. I'm really strong. It's actually a sign of weakness. I was talking to Nathan on the way down the car yesterday, and I actually seen a video of myself when I, in 2014 on a church video. I was devastated. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it, how when you've got pride in your life, it manifests in the physical. And the way I spoke, I'm like, what is up that man's, you know what? There's something not right there with me. I was blind to it. I thought I was great. I thought it was a, I thought, yeah, I've got this. And because it takes time. It takes time to surrender sometimes. There's a process to it often. But it was really, the video I was seeing was probably a video where I was caring too much about what people thought. And because of that, I came across stiff, and I came across manly, but actually weak. It wasn't attractive. 
I was rebuking myself on the video. And so I say that to encourage you that you don't win anyhow when the pride and trying to pretend you got it all together. We know you don't. And you're not as attractive when you're like that anyhow. And you're not going to succeed as much anyhow because you know what? Even in the business world, the people are attracted, employers are attracted to servant leaders. People who are willing to dust the floor as well as spend time in the executive meeting and they're the same person throughout. The person who will talk to anyone at any level, no matter of, no matter of status or financial background or what they can do, the most attractive people, successful people in the kingdom of God are the people who can just be themselves. Honor everyone, 360 degree. That's what I'm dreaming for. That's an imagination I have that I believe is God from God. Why? Because it lines up with Scripture. Can I get an amen? Any of the ladies excited to see the men next year? Woo! <laughs> it's only going to come if we pray. It's only going to come if we stay in community, if we come to church, if we have awkward conversations where we just want to run but we stay. You cannot lead yourself well and grow without awkward conversations. Has anybody realized that yet? You cannot lead anyone without awkward conversations. And so how do we do that here? We're not going to have a culture where we just kind of... This, what a great leadership point. When you have a healthy leadership culture, they told us at ARC, they said, it's when the meetings happen in the church and not in the car park. What does that look like? Awkward conversation. Being vulnerable. Submitting ourselves to one another. That's how we stay humble. That's how we grow as people, but closer together. And so that's what we're going to do. I've got some images. I've got some imaginations. We're going to have a, we're going to have a retreat in the morns for our core team. And we're going to get vulnerable together. We're going to worship God together. And we're going to humble ourselves together. And we're going to see God move together. And we're going to get on fire and people are going to come to watch. You know how that's, that's how church works, right? So we hear this word within the Christian church a lot. And some of you have probably heard this. They're an anointed speaker. That's an anointed person. And you know what? When you're about it, it just sounds like Christianese. It sounds like special or something. Or like, what's that about? For the average person coming in, you're wondering, what on earth are they anointed? So I'm going to explain to you now. We're talking about the anointed imagination. What is the anointed imagination? Well, the word anointing or anointed is really, in simple terms, is having God's approval. It's, it's being God-shaped, doing, thing, doing things God's way and having God's power in simple term, terminology. And so to give you a bit of background, what would have happened in the Old Testament? We read about kings, we read about prophets, we read about leaders. What would have happened? And Ethan, if you put the first slide up for me there just for a, a visual on some olive oil. So what would have happened was they would have anointed people and even today, we do that. The Bible clearly says that, that if anyone is sick, we anoint people with oil and pray for the sick, the elders of the church. 
and they'll be healed. And so if you need that, we will do that. But what was going on here in the Old Testament is they would have used olive oil, oil to anoint people who were coming into leadership. So what would have happened was they would have seen this person come through the ranks, serve, humble themselves, be in the community, and the community would have seen potential, would have seen power, and they would have seen God's approval on this person's life. Why? Because they humbled themselves first. They experienced God's love. And then they would have got a sense, do you see it? Yes, I do. Do you see it? Yes, I do. Do you see it? And, And they would have sensed what the mind of Christ was or the mind of God was in that situation. And then they would have brought them before and and consecrated the environment and then anointed that person. And when that person was anointed, they would have went into a position of power. But understand this, they had power beforehand. They had influence beforehand. They were already ready. They were just confirming what God had already been doing. You with me? And so it's the same in the church. How do we appoint elders? How do we appoint leaders? We try and get the mind of Christ. We try and get the mind of God. What is God doing? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? We see them walking in God's way. We see see them, we see God's approval on their life, meaning they're thriving or or they're exceeding in in whatever role they're, they're doing. They have favor. People are following or whatever the context is of the situation. And then anoint them and release them. So let me give you a little bit of background about olive oil. I had to learn this. Olive oil is made through the crushing of olives. So so when an olive is crushed, the oil oozes out. You see, in our lives, some of us have went through hardship, problems. (laughs) You didn't plan it. It's not ideal polar opposite to what you would ever ask for, even imagine. But it's in the crushing that the oil comes out. The oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we're crushed before God and we we, we bring God into the mix, honestly, you will find out who you truly are. You will shift your identity to become more Christ-like if you worship when you're being crushed and what comes out is power. And what comes out is true identity and what comes out is true calling and what comes out is imagination that isn't from the world but from God. Because before you were too distracted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and so sometimes I'm going to pray for some men to go through some hardship. I'm sorry. Why? Because I want to see God's power in your life. I don't want you spending your whole life doing something which is not eternal, doing something which is useless, doing something which you cannot take with you at the end of this life. And so the only way to get the power of God is to be tested in the crushing. Because you know what the crushing does? (laughs) It releases your grip. I promise you, a few years ago, I was crushed. (laughs) Crushed. I had a a few minor incidents before that, but a few years ago, I was crushed. But I had learned, and I was far enough along the journey that, that I'm not, I never, when I was 17, there was no one in the room when God gave me an image. 
There was no one in the room when God came into my imagination and gave me a dream to see lost people found. And so you know what? I was far enough. My roots were good. They just needed strengthened. And so because I had started with the love of God, I could continue with the love of God. And so as I went through a bigger crushing, you see, we love the verse glory to glory, don't we? But really, let's strip that back in real terms, crushing to crushing. Because the glory comes out of the crush. And as I was crushed more, you know what I'd done? I pressed in more. Some of those olives were just sitting there and they were then crushed. And then what was released was God's vision, God's imagination, God's power. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this happened. I don't know what, how I'm going to get through this, but God, I need you. I need your images. I need your plan. I don't want my lust. I don't want my pride getting in the way. I want your pictures and, and what you want to do. This is certainly not what I wanted. But I know that you use dead situations to bring life. Our church is already a church. It means resurrection life in Christ. I want to stand here in 10 years and look back and say, listen, I'm glad in the crushing I didn't give up. Where are you being crushed right now? Where are you too comfortable right now? Where have you been building your foundations on the, on the pride of life? on your own natural ideas which will fade away and they're useless. It's all about you. Where are, you, are your dreams all about you? Well, then they're built on the pride of life, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, if that's the life you're living. And you'll come to the end of your life and you'll have nothing to show apart from damage, destruction, and wreck. I promise you that. And so I want you to listen right now and understand that, that the, fear of the God, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You have to understand that. You see, the Bible says that Jesus was crushed for our sin and our transgressions. Why? So he could release power onto the earth and so that the church could rise up and do even greater things. And so until the church understands that when it's crushed, it's being prepared for greater days ahead, maybe COVID was a crushing that we needed to realign and to rebuild the church the way God intended it to be. Can I get an amen? You see, the anointing comes after the crushing. All the anointing is, is doing things God's way and our mind thinking God's way, and having dreams which are God's way, and they're birthed in love, love for Him and love for others. And I'm believing today that God will begin to speak to you, convict you, show you something that you never planned for, asked for, but it's there anyhow. And I'm telling you, God will give you passion, He will give you boldness. You don't have to do it on your own strength. That's why the Holy Spirit came. <laughs> on the day of Pentecost, that's the whole point. We're not a church that is going to live by natural force. Not by our strength, but by the Spirit of God. I'm not interested in playing church. I'm not, we didn't do this just to be another church. We've done this to see men and women rise up by the power of the Spirit of God. And that we would see lives radically transformed, not by our strength, not by how good we are, 
but how good God is. I'm a little excited today. What is going on? It must be that conference. You need to get there next year. So here we are. I need a little drink. I need a refill. And I'll, I'm not going to fake this. I stole this from the conference, okay? So don't, you can't accuse me of plagiarizing. I did copy it in Jesus' name. <laughs> so, so here we have it. This is an empty can. And this is the full can. And this can is representing our natural ideas, our natural thoughts, our natural images, pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Some of us are going around and trying to play church, trying, trying to follow Jesus, and we're empty. Why? Because you only get filled up with the power of God through worship, through prayer, and through reading the Scripture. And we're not doing it. And we're still trying to be a Christian. And all of a sudden, in work, someone's asking you, are you a Christian? And, and you back off. <laughs> what? what? You, didn't, you didn't even say anything there. What? <laughs> Just trying to pass it on. And you have an opportunity to invite a family friend, but you're not even passionate about it. You don't even want to. You don't even care. You don't even get it. Empty. And then all of a sudden, someone challenges you. Oh, I've seen you in a picture in church. Some of you hate that. You're like, oh man, they got me this week. They caught me. <laughs> trying to expose you so you have to witness. And, and all of a sudden, you're backing down. So what happens is the flesh in you, the natural part of you, has no strength. You start to get crushed. You start to realize there is no power. You start to realize there is no boldness. You start to realize there is no passion because you're not anointed. You don't have, you're not coming under God's lordship in your life. You're not spending time because it's about relationship and not about works. But see, what happens when you fill yourself up like we did this weekend? We were worshiping. We were being encouraged, prophesied over. We were, were hearing words for the church um, and we're filled up. And we're excited and we're on fire. And, and all of a sudden, you try to, to press this tight and you can't. All of a sudden, you're in work and someone's challenging you. And, and all you're sharing is the, your story and you're excited about it and you're passionate. And you don't even have to try and you, you don't have to get through the fear buyer because you're overflowing. It's not effort. It's not work from an empty place. And so what I'm trying to say to you, if you're here right now and you feel empty... You're getting crushed, and that's good, because in the crushing, it's going to lead you to the power. It's going to lead you to relationship. It's going to lead you to understand that I cannot do this without intimacy with my Father. I cannot do this without the love of God. I cannot do this without Christian community. I cannot do this without putting God first. At the man night on Wednesday, I was talking to a few guys, and they were all saying the same thing. I'm starting to get attacked my mind's starting to lose me. I, I'm starting to pray and I'm feeling shame and guilt. I've no power. Well, have you been at church recently? What's your rhythm like in prayer? What's your rhythm like in Christian community? Are you doing things God's way? Because if you're not, it's nothing personal. You just can't possess the power that God has unleashed for you to have. If we're not showing up together to encourage one another, there's a reason why God designed the church to be a community where we come together. There's a reason why the spiritual gifts were released to the church. 
And the sole reason was to, to protect our love, to make us robust, to make us strong, to make us leaders, and to, to help us to stay in love. But if you're not doing those things, there's no relationship, and there's no power. But you can recover very quickly, but it looks like surrender. Can I get an amen? You see, under the pressure of God's purity, nothing exists except what is eternal. Under the pressure of God, that's why the Bible says that every knee shall bow. Because under the pressure of God's purity, nothing can stand that is impure. And that's why we need Jesus, and that's why we need the cross. Because nothing can stand under the pressure of God's purity. That's why we lose power when we don't look to the cross because the cross gives us the ability to stand and, and to represent and to receive holy, consecrated images from God because it can't be done in, in our spirit when we, we're carrying guilt and we're carrying shame. We just can't get there. We can't access that. Watch this. I want to finish here as Rebecca kindly comes on the keys. It says this in Hebrews. This is the chapter of faith. In Hebrews 11, 11 verses 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. If you want to save your family, you get in worship and you understand the fear of God. And you build. But watch this. Build it, but not without the anointing. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even when he did not know where he was going. So he went into the unknown. God's going to call some people into the unknown today, this week in the months ahead as you pray, as you worship, as you receive images and imaginations from God. Let me, let me tell you this. Go, but not without the anointing. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered God faithful She's seen God as faithful. She had an imagination of God being faithful. And she understood if God is faithful, I see the child. And because, listen, it wasn't just her own idea. It wasn't just her own thoughts. God had given her a promise. And so watch this. Keep believing for the promise that God has given you, but not without the anointing. Not without God's way. Make sure it was God that said it. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. They've seen it. You know when there's someone around or there's a kid around and you see something special in them? There's a confidence, there's a boldness, there's leadership on them. They've seen it. But they hadn't seen it. They've seen it before they've seen it. God has given us the eyes to see in the spiritual. And they were not afraid of the king. See, keep taking risks 
but not without the anointing. By faith, he, Moses, who was released earlier, by faith, continued in faith. You see, faith grows. As God gives you images and dreams and visions, the visions that are God's will not get smaller. If you don't give up, they will get greater and bigger. But it's all dependent on how much you're willing to be crushed, on how much you're willing to, be, to worship, on how much you're willing to surrender, on how much you're willing to lay down your life. And I'm telling you this, the more you surrender and the more you lay down your life, the more grace will be dispatched and the more power will be given. You see, keep making bold moves, but not without the anointing. And here, maybe some of us are feeling tired, weary, <laughs> empty, crushed. The good news today is that God has got what you need. Everything that you need. But He, he can't give it to you until your hands are open until you ask for help, until you lay down your life again, and you lay down your pride, and you lay down those lusts and those things that have been getting your attention and distracting you. And God will then release His anointing as He sees you walking in His ways, as He sees you surrender your heart as he sees you put him first then God will begin to lay his hand of anointing on your life in your situation and what happens is there's an exchange of power there's an exchange of strength the same person a year later goes into the workplace and isn't unsure is fully sure the same person who was insecure about their identity has went through the process of crushing and goes into the room and all of a sudden is not just, is not just walking in with confidence, is actually delivering confidence to other people as they prophesy and encourage and speak life. All of a sudden, the father or the mother going into the family setting is no longer trying to get their love from their children, but they're giving love to their children. All of a sudden, the teacher or, or, or the person in the sports team is no longer just doing it for themselves, but they're on mission with purpose. They're seeking out what the Spirit wants to do and say, and, and they're no longer just in survival. They're starting to see, hey, what does the Spirit want to do tonight, today, in this moment? Overflow. All of a sudden, the person who, who, who is getting rejected publicly, privately, all of a sudden is rock solid and, and is being pressed by culture and being crushed and being pushed by the, by the crowd and the culture telling them to believe this, that, and the other, and they don't move an inch because they're whole, they're full, they're strong. I don't need your approval. I've, I'm approved for. I'm anointed. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. 
Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariad Church podcast.